Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Lord, we thank you for the privilege that is ours to assemble together this evening as your children. As we come to fellowship and worship, we pray that you would bless our efforts. Bind us together as we continue to pray. Bind us together in one bond of love. Bless in the lives of those who are ill this day. In the lives of those who have special need. And our Father, in the lives of those who are lost. May the efforts of this church continue to draw people to, to your work saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Bless us tonight as we meditate on your word, we pray in the Lord's name. Amen. Several weeks ago, I preached from the third chapter of Colossians. As a matter of fact, I preached two sermons from that chapter. The first portion of the third chapter dealt with the Christian's conduct how a Christian ought to live, what he ought to do, what he ought to say. And the second portion of the chapter dealt with the Christian family, that is, the relationships that we ought to have with each other, the relationships of wives to their husbands and husbands to their wives and children to parents and fathers, particularly to their children and servants, to their masters or employees to employers, and vice versa. This evening, I would like for us to continue with the things that Paul said to this church at Colossia by dealing with the subject Christian duty. Christian duty. And there are two things that I want to for us to notice in these first six verses about the duty of a Christian. There are two things. One, the duty to pray, and secondly, the duty to witness. And there's these two that I want us to deal with that comes out of these first six verses. First of all, the duty to pray. Throughout the scripture, there is commandments given to us as Christian people about prayer. Let me read a few of them, and you will recognize them very readily, I think, as you hear the words. Men ought always to pray and not faint. Pray without ceasing. Pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Just a few verses that come to mind quickly from the scripture dealing with the commandment to pray. Prayer, I think, is the most important opportunity that we have when it comes to serving the Lord. It is the, the access that we have to God. It's the opportunity of conversation that we have with our Lord. Many people, and sometimes I hear this statement made, well, what is the need to pray? 
The Lord knows what we need anyway, and if he's going to give it to us, he will. Well, prayer is more than asking for something. Unfortunately, we reduce prayer to a wants list of times. And we go through this wants list. We want somebody saved. We want uh, good health. We want a better income. We want good weather. We want rain. We want happiness. And we want, and we want, and we want. Let me say one thing about our praying for the lost. We ought certainly to pray for the lost. But sometimes we get discouraged when we discover that the lost we're praying for don't make the decisions that we want made in the time frame that we have set for them to make it. It seems as though I want to pray for someone's salvation and I expect him to immediately get out of his seat back there and come forward. And when he doesn't do that, then it goes through my mind, what's wrong? God's not answering my prayer. Well, listen, God gave every man and woman, boy and girl, the freedom of making a choice. God wants as much as you and I, more than you and I, for our lost friends and family to be saved but he has given them the right and the privilege of saying no to him if he wants. The Lord will deal with that individual through the power of the Spirit because we urge and encourage him to do so in prayer. That which we spoke of from Genesis 25 this morning, of the Lord being entreated by People. Scripture says that uh, Isaac entreated the Lord, or Jacob, Isaac, yeah, Isaac, I, I get them, have to stop and think the order, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Isaac entreated the Lord on behalf of his wife, and the Lord answered. But listen, we can entreat the Lord on the behalf of some lost soul the Lord will still do his part and urge and, and deal with that individual. But there's one thing the Lord can't do, and that is the Lord can't make a person make a decision. Why can he not make that person be saved? The reason is he gave Adam in the Garden of Eden the right to obey or not obey, and God is not going to take away that right. He has given to you and to me and to our friends who are lost the right to accept him or the right to reject him. And so our praying, although it is important, and although God hears and we entreat God and God can be entreated and God will exert uh, extra power and tremendous power through the Spirit upon our lost friends and friend, uh, neighbors, we must realize that that friend and neighbor and family of ours still has the right to say to God, no, and God will back off. He can do nothing else but back off in that case. But that should not discourage us from praying because we have the tremendous capability of reaching God and getting his attention 
and getting him to work on the areas of our concerns when we pray earnestly and sincerely, we can reach out there and grasp the very heart of God and turn his heart to our needs and get him to say yes to us like he said yes to Isaac in his prayer uh, for, for his wife who was barren, that we talked about this morning. He will say yes for us. He wants to say yes when we put ourselves in a position to allow him to say yes. But don't get discouraged when it comes to our friends and our loved ones if we don't get that quick answer that we want in their salvation because that will be treading upon their right to say no to God. So we, we must understand that. That God cannot answer that prayer just because we want it answered. Because it deals with the soul and the heart of the lost person. God will have to back off if that person says no. The prayer is more than a, the, the requesting of God that we have certain things. And this is the premise that I started with. Prayer ought to be a communication, a communion between God and man. But it's more than our just laying out a want list. It ought to be a sweet fellowship, a joyous communion. Sometimes we could pray to God without ever saying a single word. As two people in love oftentimes sit holding hand and neither says anything to the other. Remember that far back? Some of you uh, don't have to remember so far back. Some of you have got to go back a long way to remember the day when you sat holding hands and saying nothing. And what were you doing? You were communicating in a very, very special way. Listen, we can communicate with God the same way when we're in his presence we are in tune with him. And he is in tune with us. And our spirits are communing and communicating. And out of it we feel tremendous joy. Prayer is enjoying the presence of God as much as it is laying out things that we want him to do for us. So we ought not confuse our uh, desire or the command to pray to reduce it to, to a want list. The Lord himself, being the very Son of God, spent a lot of time in prayer. Yes, the Lord knew what God would say and do in all those given situations, but he spent all night in prayer. On one occasion, he spent 40 days and nights in communing with God. We find that he needed it. The Garden of Gethsemane, where down on his knees, he prayed earnestly and sweat great, great drops of blood for you and for me. He was laying out before God the desires of his heart. And out of it, when he came out of the wilderness after that praying, when he came from the Garden of Gethsemane, then he was ready to face the challenges that were before him. Now that is what ought to happen to you and to me when we have had our session of prayer. When these women that you talked about, Mr. Leafy praying back here and holding hands, when we pray in our family or as, as individuals, we ought to come out of that session with strength. Our faith ought to be strengthened. 
Our purposes ought to be solidified. Our direction ought to be outlined. And we know where we're going and what we're going to do because in that period of time and communion with God, we have set the stage with the Lord as to what we ought to do. Nobody should make a decision of any importance in life without praying to God about it and let God direct that decision. Nobody. To do so is ignoring the most important asset we have. Who knows more about what I ought to do than God? Or you? It is God who knows where he wants us to go and what he wants us to do. It's God who knows when we don't have a job, when we are sick, when we are about ready to make a move, when we have all the problems that are facing us. If we would uh, make use of the uh, power that's available to us in simply communing with God, out of it we would come strengthened. We would come strengthened. We would have better faith our purpose, as I have said, would be solidified and our direction would be made clear. He says two things here in the second verse about prayer. One of them is continue and the other is watch. Continue and watch. I want us to go back to Luke chapter 18 for a passage of scripture. But I think says some very important things on this very subject. Luke chapter 18, the first seven verses. It's a parable that Jesus gave. About the power that man has with God. Luke 18, and he spake a parable unto them to this end. That men ought always to pray and not to faint. Saying. There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city. She came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. He would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubled me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. The Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. Shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? Now what's he saying in this parable? Here is a judge before whom a widow kept coming and coming and coming, and he wanted to say no to her. I'm not going to hear your case or do what you want. But the widow kept back coming coming and coming, and finally the judge, who was not a godly man, the judge finally said, I am going to respond to her and say yes to her once just to get her out of my hair. Now, he uses this type of story to say, if a man will listen to the repeated, the continual request that a person makes, Will not God also respond when you stay with it and with it and with it? The fervent prayer, the scripture says, of a righteous man avails much. What does the word fervent mean? The earnest, the sincere, the continual, the repeated. 
when we stay with it and make God understand, although he does understand, but repeat to him the desires of our heart, if it is in his will, he will accomplish it in our lives. The trouble is we stop too quick. We don't continue in our praying. We stop short. We ask one time and quit. That's not the time to quit. If my kids, when they were little, would come to me and ask for a dollar, one time I could easily say no. The second time it was harder, and the more times they asked, the more likely they were to get. The Lord is saying that's the way God is when his people continue to ask and, and lay out their problems before him, he's going to do that which they want because we have his ear. He's listening, and he knows we're sincere because we continue. All right. Look at the word watch. Watch really means to keep awake. Spiritual alertness. Sometimes we're not very alert as Christian people. We become very dull, and our praying becomes mechanical instead of meaningful. The Lord knows the difference, and it doesn't make any difference if our prayer is a short prayer, if it's prayed as we drive down the road with our eyes open, or if it's prayed in the privacy of our own home on our knees with tears streaming down our face. The Lord understands our need. We need to be spiritually alert and in tune with the Lord. I think the best prayers I pray are on Sunday morning when I drive from Dunbar to the church. I make them short and to the point. And I sincerely believe that the Lord hears my prayer and is responding to what I'm praying. Not to say that he does not other times. But we need spiritual alertness. Many times we go to sleep spiritually and then expect the Lord to do miracles in our lives when we're just praying rotely without any real meaning to it. I think when a person prays, it ought to mean something. And it ought not to simply be full of vain words that people like to hear, like the Pharisee prayed. But it ought to be to the point. He prayed like the publican, God be merciful to me, a sinner. There's a more powerful prayer than the long, beautiful prayer that the, that the Pharisee prayed on that street corner that day that the Lord told us about. That became mechanical. We need to put our mind into it and be sure that we know that we want God to hear and we get his attention by continually praying and being alert as we do so. All right, verse 3 makes a very important point that I think we as a church need to understand as we go into a five-year plan. He said, pray that God will open to us a door. You see those words? This is what we as a church need to be doing. We are interested in reaching this community for Christ. I believe we're going to do it. We're going to see numbers of people saved. We're going to see other numbers of people join our congregation because they, 
know and understand that we are a people who love the Lord and are here to serve Him. And it's not going to be routine, rote, normal, everyday church business. We're here for the Lord's business, and we're going to be making that known by our alertness. We're going to pray to God that He opens to us doors that we need to go through to serve Him. Now, the five-year plan that we've established is the most energetic plan that I have known a church to adopt. Don't you think that we're going to adopt a plan and put it in a drawer somewhere and forget it? We didn't do that, all of that work for months to simply say, well, now we have the plan and we can stick it away somewhere. It means that we're going to be praying earnestly that God lead us as to what this church ought to do in all the aspects of our service here. The disciples went with the Lord to Gethsemane, and while the Lord prayed, the disciples slept. And that is what the church has been doing this church and every other church, I suppose. It's time that we wake out of sleep and pray earnestly, watchfully, that God open to us doors that we might go through them to serve him. And that's what Paul prayed. All right, let's go down to verse 5. He says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. I think some other translations, and I didn't bring any with me, but would say something like this. Walk uh, in your witness, so that others may see Christ. Now, it is our duty to live our lives before the world that people see Jesus Christ in us. If all you ever see when you see me standing behind this pulpit is Jim Sheets, I have failed. It needs to be Christ. If all the people see when they look at this church and attend this church as a building and some people we have failed, we need to be showing forth Christ and lifting him up. The world needs to know that we are here to worship, but we go out of here to serve, to witness. It is our duty to witness. We ought to be living before the world that our witness is unmistakable. As the Lord said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. As we go out to deal with people in crisis and to deal with the elderly and to deal with the lost and all the other things that we're going to do, we want everyone to know that we're doing it not in the name of ourselves that we're doing it in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what we must do. We must behave like Christians and then we will be recognized as Christian. Live, walk in wisdom. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Back up a few books. 
get a verse 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 at 19. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without law. I'm going to go back and explain a little of this because it's almost double talk in the old English. Being not without law to God, but under the law of Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might be all, by all means save some. And there's the key. That last phrase in the 22nd verse. Paul is saying, whatever it takes to the Jew, I became a Jew that I could win the Jews. To the Gentile, I was a Gentile that I could might win the Gentiles. If it means that I be weak to win the weak, I will be weak. Whatever Paul is saying, the needs are, I will be, because the ultimate purpose of Paul's life was to win the lost. He said, I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Whatever it takes is the whole point. Whatever it takes. Paul was willing to do and willing to be. And whatever it takes, that is exactly where we must be. Whatever it takes. We're going to live that way. We're going to walk that way. If it means swallowing our pride, we will swallow our pride. If it means taking abuse, we will take abuse. If it means spending our money, we will spend our money. If it means bringing people to church in our car, we'll bring people to church in our car. If it means hugging and loving the dirtiest, wickedest, most unsightly, ungodly person in this community, we'll put our arms around them and hug them to death. If by that means we might win them to Jesus Christ, we'll do all things, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. For nothing, Paul said, to win the lost. To walk in our witness before the lost. Then he says, redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. The time is not long. I've told you before, but my belief is that shortly, shortly after or about the year 2000, we're going to see the end of this old world. I don't have anything to prove that, except my belief and the way I read the scripture that things are coming to a head. I say we don't have many more years to proclaim the gospel of Christ in this world. And we better be doing it now. We better be doing it now. If we don't do it, our lost friends and neighbors and family will be in hell. It's urgent that we get about the Lord's business. Take advantage of our opportunity. Verse 6, let your speech be always with grace. That is a very important and a very interesting verse. He's talking about that which we say to the lost of the world. But our speech be with grace, that is, be with pleasantness, be attractive, be with charm, be appealing, 
Let that which we say draw people to Jesus Christ, seasoned with salt, something that is pleasant and not offensive. We must be careful in that which we say to the lost of the world that it comes out in a manner that will draw them to Christ instead of repel them. Now this is a problem that happens in the church is sometimes Christian people repel the lost. A man said to me this very afternoon as I tried to lead him to Christ, he said, there are others down there in that church that are just like I am. I had to admit he probably was right, but he couldn't understand that I had nothing to do with his own soul, that his soul's salvation was not going to be based upon somebody else. I'm not sure who he was referring to, and I didn't want to ask. But he had in mind somebody who was repulsive, that was as bad off, that was going to hell just like he is, and that somehow was salving his conscience. I would not want to be the individual that he had in mind. Because that individual has detracted from Christ to that man. Whoever it might be. We must be careful that we are not a detractant, but that we are someone that, that appeals to people to come to Christ. And they will come because we are of graceful speech, pleasant speech, attractive, appealing, pleasant, and not offensive. This is the duty of the Christian. To do two things. This I'll close. Our duty to pray. Secondly, our duty to witness. Not a single Christian is excused from those two duties. To pray for our lost friends and family and to witness to them by the way we live by what we say, by what we are, will do much to bring the lost to Christ. This has got to be the image that the church portrays to the lost world. It's got to be. If there is any person who is a member of this church that is detracting from the image of Christ, he ought to search his heart and soul and change that manner of speech and way of living in order that Jesus Christ might be lifted up and he would draw all people unto him not us but that he would can we do that will we do it as a church as we head toward revival and as we go into this five year plan if we will the products come through the door and we'll see people saved. Our numbers will grow. It matters little that our numbers grow. It matters a lot. People are saved. Become a part of the kingdom of God. Let's pray.
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.